Welcome to the Discover True Treasure podcast. I'm your host, Angela. Today, we are going to continue our study of the book of Galatians. If you missed last week's episode, feel free to go back and listen to it. However, it is perfectly fine to listen to the episodes out of order. I believe that each episode can stand on its own. Okay, as a reminder, for this book study, I will be loosely following a modified version of the SOAP or SOAP Bible Study Method. The acronym SOAP stands for Scripture, Observations, Application, and Prayer. In addition, I will be reading from primarily the New Living Translation, but I also enjoy using other translations such as the King James Version as well. I'm so excited to continue our book study. In this episode, we will get into the very important reason why Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia. If you joined me last week, you know that we only covered the opening of Paul's letter. But I think we gleaned some powerful truths just from Paul's opening. For example, we talked about how much of a blessing it is to know that we have God's grace and peace. Okay, I hope you're ready to study the Word of God. Let's begin today's lesson. Okay, let's begin today's study by reading verses 6 through 10 of chapter 1. And I am going to read those verses from the New Living Translation, but most likely I will also refer to these verses in the King James Version as well throughout the study. Verse 6, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again, What we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news, then the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. All right, so now that we've read the scriptures, we are going to start making some general observations about each verse. Now we start off in verse six and oh my goodness, Paul does not hold back. So we read last week verses one through five and Paul, in my opinion, wrote a very eloquent opening. He uh, began the book by talking about how he was called to be an apostle by none other than God. And then he ended with verse five with praise to God. And now he is down to business And we are going to understand why he's going to be using some strong language. And um, here he tells the believers in the churches of Galatia that he is amazed. Now, in um, 
the King James Version, he says, I, I marvel. But he says here in um, the New Living Translation that he is shocked. He says he's shocked that they have turned away from God, that they have so quickly left the good news of Jesus Christ. And he tells them that they are now following a different way. They're following a way that is pretending to be the good news. Now, let me jump ahead just a little bit uh, and tell you that in the, the chapters that we will be studying, we are going to learn that Paul will explain that there's there were some people who came in to the believers at Galatia and told them that they needed to follow some aspect of the law, and in this case, it's circumcision, in order to be saved. And Paul is going to tell these believers in Galatia that these false believers, and that's what he calls them, false brothers, that they're really trying to steal their freedom that they have in Christ Jesus. And this matter troubled Paul so much. The attempt to pervert the good news of Jesus Christ, the attempt to mix grace with law, troubled him so much that he and two of his gospel partners, Barnabas and Titus, they go to Jerusalem to meet with the Jewish leaders and discuss this issue of should Gentile believers follow the law of Moses? And of course, Paul is Paul knows that the answer is no, of course not. Um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I just wanted to lay that groundwork right there. So let's continue with verse seven. And in verse seven, Paul makes it clear that any so-called gospel that is not the gospel of Christ is not the gospel. I love the way the King James Version puts it because it makes it clear that the good news of Jesus Christ is the grace of Christ. And this gospel is so glorious. It is so wonderful. It is so powerful that the enemy blinds, he blinds people's minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel should come in and they believe it. So he is threatened. He is uh, afraid of this powerful gospel. So he tries to pervert it. And the way he perverts it is by convincing people to introduce law. And in effect, what it does is it puts people back under bondage, back under condemnation, and in their lives, it makes the work of the cross of no effect. So that's why this issue is so serious to Paul. And that is why he is going to be using some very strong words. Um, let's, let's continue to verse eight and you'll see what I mean. So here in verse eight, this matter is so serious that Paul pronounces a curse on anyone, even an angel from heaven. Yes, even an angel from heaven that would dare preach any other gospel than the grace of Christ. 
the gospel is the grace of Christ. So he pronounced a curse. That's how serious it is to mix law and grace. And let's continue with verse nine. And here in this verse, oh my gosh, look, he repeats the curse. So in effect, Paul pronounces a double curse on anyone who would pervert or twist the good news. So the question that bears asking then is, how do you twist or pervert the good news? And in the case here, uh, in the book of Galatians, what happened is that people came in and convinced, persuaded believers in Galatia to abandon grace and pursue righteousness through their self-effort. And it was just circumcision. And so you may be thinking, what's the big deal about circumcision? It's self-effort. It is a part of the old covenant. It was a part of the Mosaic law. Now, yes, it was introduced um, as a covenant to Abraham, but it also became a part of the Mosaic law. And it is self-effort. It is works. You have to fall from grace to pursue works. And you know, the enemy is subtle. And we need to remember that because the Bible even tells us that he comes as an angel of light. He comes deceptively. So he knows the word of God. He knows how to twist it. And the way he can twist the word of God is by introducing the law to put people under condemnation. Now, I need to say, though, that the law is holy and the commandments are just and good. There is nothing wrong with the law. And also, let me say that Jesus did not come to remove the law. He came to fulfill it. And he came to fulfill it on our behalf because we cannot fulfill the law. As a matter of fact, the law was not given for that purpose. It was not given for the purpose of us to actually fulfill it. We cannot because we are sinful. We are, we are depraved people in need, desperate need of a savior. And so the law does not lead to righteousness. In fact, the law, the law is so holy that it is like a mirror in that it shows us our true selves, that we are sinful. So righteousness can never come, true righteousness can never come through the law. It can never come by fulfilling the commandments of the law. True righteousness before God comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. There is nothing we can do in ourselves, in our flesh, with our own self-effort that could ever achieve true righteousness. If we could, and I'll probably say this over and over again, there would be no need for our Heavenly Father to send Jesus Christ 
to this earth to die for our sins, to fulfill the law, to be punished for our sins, to shed his blood, to be raised from the dead for our righteousness, for our justification. There would be no need for it if we could just obey the law. We cannot fulfill the law. And I'll be going into that uh, a little more, I'm sure, as we go through uh, this book of Galatians. But for now, let's continue to verse 10. So in verse 10, Paul says that he is not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And that may seem unrelated because I know I thought it when I first read this years and years ago, what does winning the approval of people or not trying to win the approval of people have to deal with the fact that in these four verses, these four previous verses, he's taught, he's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. So that must mean if he's saying that he's not trying to win people's approval, it must mean that the teaching of law, the mixing of law with grace is pleasing to our flesh. Because I'm telling you, for some reason, we need to be told that we need to do something in our own strength and in our own effort to be holy and to be pleasing to God. And to be honest, it's really a matter of pride. We don't look at it that way, but it really is. It's like, do we, we really believe being sinful people that there's something we could actually do to be pleasing to God? There's nothing we can do in our own flesh, in our own flesh that could be pleasing to God. The Bible tells us that there is none good, not one. And I know that this is not pleasing for people to hear. This truth is just not pleasing to people because, you know, there are a lot of people who just don't want to believe that they are that bad. They think we're not that bad. But, you know, the Bible tells us that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity and that our self-righteousness is as filthy rags. As filthy rags. Now, there are some translations that talks about our self-righteousness in more graphic terms than that. Um, but the point is we cannot fulfill the law. And, you know, there are some that may feel as if, you know, well, you know, I can handle the Ten Commandments, you know. I've never had a problem with stealing. It's never entered my mind. I've never stolen a thing. Okay, that very well may be true. But here's the thing about the law. When you try to follow the law, it puts you under a curse and it demands that you fulfill the entire law, the entire law, not just a part of the law. And it puts us under a curse. But praise the Lord, Jesus Christ was made a curse for us. But, you know, as we read through um, other epistles that Paul wrote, I think it becomes evident uh, that people, even as he mentioned here, he said, deliberately 
twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, I believe that there's some that just don't understand it. They just don't understand this grace thing because as human beings, all we know is law. All we know is you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. All we know is the law. That in effect is the law. But, you know, I'm thinking of the the book of Romans. There are people who accused Paul of saying that he was basically preaching that people could just go on sinning, you know, just go on sinning. You're under grace, right? Keep sinning so that grace may abound. And that is not what he was saying at all. And they didn't understand the power of the gospel because the same powerful grace that saves us is the same grace that keeps us because it keeps us in Christ. When Jesus, when we believe on Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive God's nature on the inside of us, and we have the power to overcome sin as we continue to abide in Christ. And so we should not start our walk in Christ in grace and then switch to works. It doesn't work. You start out in grace and you remain in grace. Like I said before, if we could attain holiness by our own effort, it wouldn't be necessary for Christ to die for our sins. So we see here in verse 10, where Paul is saying that he is not trying to win people's approval. He's trying to win God's approval. He said, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So we will learn as we continue to study this book that Paul was determined to preserve the truth of the gospel even in the midst of facing fierce opposition and persecution. His focus was on pleasing God, not man. I mean, he was a true servant of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So now that we've talked about some observations in in this um, text, let's talk about how we can apply uh, some of those observations to our lives. And I have three simple takeaways from these scriptures. And the first is a big one. There is only one gospel and it is the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the grace of Christ. The gospel is the gospel of grace. The good news is all about God's grace shown to man in the person of Jesus Christ. So what always comes up whenever people hear the true gospel, when they hear the true gospel, the grace of Christ, is this question. So what about sin? And I get it. I was there. But here's the thing. First, I would say we are to be Christ conscious, not sin conscious. If Jesus defeated sin, if he paid our sin debt in full, why are we so obsessed with sin? Why are we sin conscious? 
We are told to reckon ourselves dead to sin and, and we are alive now in Christ. But you know, people still say, okay, yeah, okay, but practically what about sin? <laughs> so I would say, and this is what I've experienced in my life. So I would say, if you are entangled in some kind of sin, if, if there is a sinful habit that has dominion over you, I would say that you are in a mistaken identity, that you are believing something wrong. You believe you are that sin. You most likely believe that your righteousness is based on what you do and that your righteousness is not in Christ. You're not believing that Jesus declares you righteous apart from works. So let's say you're struggling in, in a sin and you are trying so hard to stop. You are trying so hard to be better. Well, that's the problem right there. You don't realize that your self-effort is producing the opposite effect. And that's what following the law does. It strengthens the sinful passions in our flesh. So when we sit under preaching where there is a mixture of law and grace, it is so serious because what it does is it has the opposite effect. You know, people think if you hear this um, fiery preaching about holiness, that all of a sudden it's going to cause the people who are listening to it to live holy lives. And it's not. And what it may actually produce is people living secretly sinful lives and living under a cloud of condemnation, which is a miserable way to live as a, as a believer. And so getting back to, let's say, practically, you are in a sinful habit. The way out of that sin is, let's say it's smoking. You're smoking and you've been smoking for years and you just believe that you're a failure. Uh, you, you, you're, you are an addict. Uh, you will never beat this sinful habit. You know your body is the temple of the Lord and you just feel embarrassed and you feel shame and you feel condemnation. All of those things if you're feeling those things, those are all lies. First of all, let's put it out in the light. That is the enemy. So we're believing wrong because first of all, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I would encourage anyone dealing with any type of sinful habit to read the word of God and meditate on the scriptures that tell you who you are who you already are in Christ Jesus. And I would encourage you to say those scriptures out loud. And as you hear it uh, and, and believe it in your heart of who you are already are, you have no choice but to live out what you believe. If you truly believe who you are in Christ Jesus, you will live accordingly. You can only live according to what you believe in your heart about yourself. If you believe that you're, that one day you're going to be better, one day you're going to live holy, 
That is a wrong belief. You are holy according to God, because of the, according to the finished work of Jesus Christ, that you put your faith and trust in, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are right now pleasing to God. If you believe that you will live that way. So, you know, you are, um, struggling in this habit with smoking. We're using smoking for our example. What crucifies our flesh is truth. And so as you continue to believe who you already are, this is not something you're trying to be. Remember, that's that's believing wrong. You have to believe what God says you are in Christ Jesus. And as you believe it, let me tell you what will happen. What I know will happen is that as you continue to look to Jesus, rest in him, refuse the temptation to be sin conscious. You are going to find that those sinful habits are just going to fall off of you without any self-effort, without any stress, without any struggle. You are going to lose the desire, the, the desire to do those things. But it only happens when you continue to abide in Christ and rest in what he's done. Rest in what he has already done for you. So that is what I would say to individuals who question whenever they hear the true gospel. And you know it's the true gospel when it actually brings up this question. So what about sin? That's what I would tell. That's what I would say. So what about sin? It's been dealt with. It's been dealt with once and for all. It's been dealt with decisively. Your sin debt has been paid once and for all. One sacrifice for sin forever. And you're saying, yeah, but I'm still sinning. Okay. We're going to work on what we're believing is already true. And that has the power to crucify those passions in your flesh and those sinful desires. Amen. So that's my first takeaway. Yes, I know that was pretty long-winded. So let's get to the second takeaway. And that is we we don't get saved by grace and then once we're saved, we switch to works. So let me say that a little differently. Of course, we are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Yes, we are saved by grace. And once we are saved, we must not believe wrongly that we have to maintain our salvation, our righteousness by self-effort. We must remember that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. Amen. So the second takeaway is to remember that we do not resort to self-effort once we have received the good news and believed on Jesus Christ. Okay. And the third takeaway is that we are not to please men. As children of God, we are to please our Heavenly Father. And how do we please our Heavenly Father? We believe on Jesus Christ and on what he has done for us. So we are the servants of Christ like Paul. And our goal is not to win approval, the approval of people. 
And the enemy, of course, would love for us to, to mix law and grace because that is so widely accepted. That is what most people know. That's all they know. That's what sounds right. If you go to church and listen to a sermon and you hear this fiery message uh, of condemnation about, um, you know, not doing this and not doing that without first telling people who they are. You know, the way we correct people when they are entangled in a sin is and they are true believers. The way we correct them is by telling them, reminding them of who they are, who they are in Christ. But, you know, when you hear these fiery messages and their so-called holiness messages, they really, like I said before, produce the opposite effect, but they're so widely accepted and, and people eat them up. They love them. And, you know, they'll say, and it's not, and it's not like they preach all law, you know, it's a, it's the mixture that is perverted. And it only takes a little bit of leaven, just a little bit of that law to, to pervert the power of the gospel in, in people's lives. And so, you know, you'll find that, yeah, it's fine. You can talk about grace, especially when you're introducing people to Christ. But you know, once they believe on Christ, you know, you need to let them know. You need to give them, hey, give them that rule book. Tell them what they can't do. Because we, we want them to live holy, right? We want to disciple them to live holy, right? But again, when we mix law and grace and condemn people and tell them to try a little harder, you need to read your Bible a little longer, you need to do a little better, that is not pleasing to God. And we are not preserving the truth of the gospel. The gospel is grace and grace alone. And I know it sounds radical. I know some people, it, it just sounds radical to people. And some would even say it's heresy, but it's the word of God. We just read it. And we must not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. Amen. Okay, so if you joined me last week, I explained that I like to choose a meditation scripture and it is either an entire verse or sometimes it's just a portion of a verse. But I like to uh, just think about a, a part of a scripture uh, during the week, just repeat it to myself and just keep it on my mind so that it gets into my heart and uh, it becomes a part of me and I actually actually live it out. So for this week, the meditation scripture that I chose is Galatians 1.10. And it reads again, let me read it again. And this is from the New Living Translation. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And I'm choosing this scripture because as being human, it is normal, I guess you could say, where we want to be accepted. And um, that's a very real temptation. But we are Christ's servant. And I love Paul's example of boldness and um, how even in the, the, the face of persecution, he was stoned, he, he was, he was um, insulted, 
Uh, they argued with him. He faced fierce opposition, but he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have just studied that it is the grace of Christ. It's the gospel of grace. And um, so I just want to keep that in mind that my goal is to please God. And I please God by re by believing in, in his word, by believing in Christ and what Christ has done for me on the cross. So that is my meditation scripture for the week. Galatians 1.10. Okay, please join me in prayer about the scriptures we just studied. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful gospel of the grace of Christ. It is the good news that saved us from lives full of despair, hopelessness, sin, and condemnation. Lord, establish us in your righteousness, which is by faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that sin will not have dominion over those who are no longer under the law, but under grace. So we put our faith in the power of your grace and we refuse to place our confidence in our flesh or self-effort or self-righteousness. Heavenly Father, give us boldness to stand up for the only true gospel, the grace of Christ. I pray that this boldness would give us the desire to share the good news with those whom we may come in contact with every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you were blessed by today's Bible study. Please join me next week as we will continue our study of the book of Galatians by reading verses 11 through 17 of chapter one. Actually, I think we're going to read 11 through 16. 11 through 16 of chapter one. If you have a prayer request or comment or question, or if today was the day that you put your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work, please leave me a message. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, rest in the assurance that you are valuable and dearly loved by our heavenly father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.